Well, 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 what was that? It was the end of an era, the end of a doctor's reign, a celebration of all things BBC. But did Chibnall manage to save himself from his normal writing flaws? Or will I be needing my popcorn, which I was meant to eat during the show, but completely forgot to listen to James's rants? James, will I be needing this popcorn? Maybe. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to one side just in <laughs> yeah, case. Yeah, I think it's I think it's popcorn on standby. I I'm okay. still in that. You know that place you're in after a Who episode, and I think you're in the same place I get, where you're still not quite sure what to make of it, and you're still going through everything, particularly with an episode as stuffed and packed and full of things as the power of the Doctor is. Whether I need to rant, I still think, is being processed. I'm sure I'll get to a point by the end of this podcast where I've worked out the answer to that question. So before we get to that point, what are your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are, I mean, look, from a, fa- from a fan perspective, from a fan perspective, I will give credit to Chris Chibnall insofar as he delivered pretty much everything he could possibly have delivered. It's... Cameo City, my God, it's almost everyone and anyone who is willing to do it slash alive has come back. Paul McGann! Including including Paul McGann McGann and Sylvester McCoy and David Bradley as William Hartnell and Peter Davidson and even even Colin Baker. Am I right in remembering that we had Colin Baker? Yeah, I did think it was Colin. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to not just the two companions that you knew about, but plenty of other ones as well. There's a really, really good scene with that. Um, But fan service aside, this is the most Chris Chibnall script that has ever been Chibnall. And I'm I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that if Chris Chibnall knew he was going to go out, I'm quite happy he went out unmistakably himself. We have lost a certainty in British life today. We have lost to the certainty of total chaos and complete structural abandon that Chris Chibnall has given Doctor Who. So, you know, it's both a moment of reflection and a moment of celebration, both of what Chibnall has done and, frankly, of what Chibnall was unable to do to this franchise. (laughs) You know what? I enjoyed myself. I feel like I feel like we normally have these episodes where one person goes, "My God, this was crap," and then we have the other one going, "Yeah, it was crap, but I really enjoyed it." I feel like this is one of those episodes where you're sat there going, "Structurally, this just doesn't work, and I hate it." And then there's just me going, "It was fun." The thing I will give you is, I feel like this is the episode. No, no. The thing I will give you is, I did think it was fun. Like I had a good time mm. watching it. So I have to give plenty of credit out this was a fun episode the moment you start thinking about it you realize how many problems it has but at the end of the day i can nitpick as much as i want like that's secondary to the enjoyment and i had an all right time with it even though i was audibly criticizing it throughout um but you know it it did what it had to do it got all of its pieces in and a lot more besides that we didn't expect but let me put it to you, James. This is supposed to be a celebratory special where we celebrate everything which happened beforehand. I think we can let it get away with being a little bit more nonsensical. Yeah, 
I don't disagree with that for sure. I think there's definitely bits of fan service that stray into that world, but it's not it's not too nonsensical where I think it takes you out of the story. I think it works for the most part. There is one or two where I'm like, okay. Mm. But the problem is, is that unfortunately it's not really a special that exists in of its own way insofar as it's a regeneration episode and therefore has huge ramifications for the Doctor Who canon at the same time. It also doesn't answer, like if you listen to our pre our predictions episode, we had a few things we wanted this episode to address. The main one was justifying the Timeless Children arc. And the answer is no, that's uh, which, not been covered nah. at all. So we'll never know what that was. So we can only assume which Rusty Davis will just forget it ever existed. And then well, move you on. Well, do you know what? If, if you'd have told me a year ago when we started doing the show, and I began my moans about the Timeless Children arc on audio platforms everywhere, then, yeah, I'd have taken that. Because I, the alternative was that they doubled down in another really stupid way, and then it was hard-locked into the canon. At this point, I don't think it's been brought up enough for it to be hard-locked. You know, it's, it's like for Brains of Morpheus. Brains of Morpheus essentially was for Timeless Child before the yes. Timeless Child. But everyone just sort of speaks about it like it's some sort of quirk in the canon, which which everyone just sits there and goes, "Why did we do that? <laughs> it, 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 are we just going to in like ten years' time, if Doctor Who still exists, look at the time as children the same way and just think to ourselves, why did we do that? Yes, I, I think so. Um, yeah, so there was no answer to that question. There's no answer to a bunch of other questions. There's a lot of references to like. Some of the Chibnall stuff we had, we had the Time Lord Cybermen back for a bit. You know, we had Graham come back. That was a nice reference. Ryan didn't. I, I was. Ryan I, didn't show. I was surprisingly. To be honest, I think if I had to choose between Ryan and Graham, I would choose. Oh, every Graham. day I, I, I've got I'm the better s- one. But it was interesting that you know, in an episode which was able to coax about. Eight old companions back. Additionally, to I'm trying to count this, so I'm dead right. Technically speaking, in this episode, how many doctors do you think appear? We had for fifth Peter Davidson. Yep. We had the sixth Colin Baker. For seventh, uh, Sylvester yep, McCoy. Three. And then we also had the eighth Paul That's McGann. Four. And we also had. Uh, the first Doctor played by an actor's name. David Bradley as William Hartnell from Twice Upon a Time, reprising what he did there. So that's five classic Doctors. But I I don't think that's too hard for them because I have to be honest with you, the way they did these cameos, I much prefer how they could have done it. Much like the the curator with... The The curator in Day of the Doctor, yeah, in the 50th. Where where, where the Doctor... Where he just turns up and we just kind of go yeah yeah that's phenomenal i really enjoy that cameo at least this one here makes sense our cameos here in sort of like the universe yeah although and this is me kind of segueing to the fact that i think it's worth starting at the end it's not just five classic doctors strictly speaking is it no uh, um, so the, the, I, su- I suppose the main takeaway from the power of the doctor is 
who is the Doctor now? David Tennant. Fucking yeah! He's back! One moment, please, I'm... as we calm down <laughs> James. <laughs> yeah, we should have the Ralph, <laughs> the Ralph Wiggum technical difficulties calm. Right, James, now you've calmed down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> where, where were you going with this thought? And please don't just start your sentence with, oh yeah, David Tennant. <laughs> no, I'm not going to start. Right, okay, I'm going to get my fangirling out of the way now, very, very quickly and as calmly as I can. It's brilliant that he does the first line like he does the first line when he come, when he's actually 10. The what, what, what happens, which is perfect Russell. The end sound is perfect Russell. It's, you know, the best possible way in 10 seconds Russell could have announced he's back, basically. Um, so what I actually want to talk about is what that now means moving forward, because you, you know as well as I do that I was looking forward to this episode more for the fact that it was we were going to find out more about what was going on after this episode. And now the BBC have released some information about this. Can I just say? Locks things in. The fact we've got this information now. So such a clear differentiation between Chibnall and Davies. <laughs> because if yeah. it was of Chibnall, we would be finding out which the, the dates of these specials, probably a week before they air. <laughs> Let's be there honest was- here. <laughs> I'm not sure if you follow uh, the TV Zone Twitter account. Yes, I do. But uh, you do, yeah. So, you, so you were greatly enjoying, I presume, their constant marketing for the show, which they kept on having to say the BBC hadn't been doing, and was being done as a reminder that they actually need to market their programs. Yes, it's such a clear line in the sand, just straight out of the gate. Like we thought, we were, it was slightly different with how Rusty Davis announcing things on Instagram. We're just outright being given dates now. Like, what is this? What is this craziness? Yeah. I so out of nowhere. I mean, it's key to note we don't have official, not officially dates, but as close as we can get to dates. We, we can um, work it. We, if we were not recording this at around nine forty-five and we had some time on our hands, we could probably reverse engineer for dates. Let's be honest. Yeah, we could work out the dates very easily. But, um, I mean, do you have the press release that the BBC has put out? You see, you sent it to me, and then your internet abruptly died, so I was trying to work out ways around that. But now I do, because I'm very good at filler. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know, I know probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably already seen this. But for those of you who haven't seen the BBC press release and all the information, Owen, what does it say? So we will be seeing a return of Doctor Who in over a year's time. This year will be first time which we do not have a festive special, whether that be Christmas or whether it be New Year's, since the show rebooted. Because our first... Yeah. Our next episodes with the amazing David Tennant will be in November of 2023. So all of our guesses previously saying which oh, we might be getting a hidden one on New Year's or Christmas are completely wrong. So we're going to get for three episodes, I believe James said. I haven't found it here, but I'm going off what James said. So if it's wrong, I blame James. Yeah. We're going to have That's my recollection of the press release. I've not got it in front of me, but it says in my recollection that there will be three specials starring David Tennant as this is important to note, David Tennant as the 14th Doctor, that is confirmed tonight. 
Um, there will be three specials with him, Catherine Tate, and all of the other casting announcements you saw, you know, like the one from Heartstopper, everything like that. And then there will be a Christmas special starring Shooty Gatwa as the 15th Doctor. So that's just, the confirmation. Just to clarify, as we're talking about dates and what dates it could be, it says it's going to be airing over the festive period. So we do not know yet if this will be on Christmas or New Year's. We don't know what the yeah. BBC will let us have. I'd be inclined to hope, because Russell had always done his at Christmas, that he would push for it, but New Year's a thing. So we'll we'll wait and see. But the key thing is, we're going to get four very special Doctor Who episodes in a very short space of time, but we're going to have to wait over a year as Russell, for New Who. As Russell T. David says, how, what, why? We're giving you a year to speculate. And then all hell lets loose. But yeah, most Russell responsible time. Yeah, Uh, but we've got a year to wait. But before we get to that bit here, we might actually want to properly discuss this episode. Yeah, so that's the that's the future out of the way. We've done the future. Twenty twenty three. We're waiting to get more Doctor Who. So reflecting on what we've seen tonight. Where where do you start with this episode? Because there's so much going on. It's so it, much to discuss. It has a lot of a problem which Flux had, where there was like four, four three different paths. Oh, at least. And they kind of all messily come together. So shall I do somewhat a synopsis? <laughs> I mean, you can try. You're a braver man than I am to, to try and create a summary of this episode in quick time. Shall we do this in chunks? Go for it. So we start off and we are on board this train with Mark Seven. Mark Seven. Who's Mark Seven, James? James doesn't know because it's never referenced inside the show, but I'm very happy which he was there. Um, <laughs> probably not Mark Seven, but who cares? Um, but we start, <laughs> <laughs> we start on board the train Um where they're protecting some precious cargo for Doctor comes down, tries to save a day from the Cyber Masters, they're called. Um, yeah, they've gone with Cyber Masters. But Dan comes too close to death, and we lose him not long after. For Cyber Masters have captured their treasure, which was <laughs> a small child. Do, do, Owen, do you want to reword that? Because what I heard was Dan comes close to death, and then we lose him. We do. That's what I said. <laughs> d- d- People who haven't watched this episode, although God knows why you're listening to it if you haven't, Dan Lewis does not die. No, but we still lose him. <laughs> we, yeah, but like he goes home. <laughs> we don't lose him. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, so Dan does come very close to death. He goes home. Sorry, Owen. You see, the issue I have with this data point is aside from nicely writing out Dan it doesn't add anything to the story. It's it's a bit of a muchness. They managed to find one way, which is setting up the... Oh, God. Can you can you remember what this being was called? This uh, being of pure energy? Nope. Had a really cool name, but it was one of those with a it, lot of consonants. It is the standard Chibnall problem, which we've mentioned during Flux, where Chibnall likes to give things alien names, which means no one can remember what they're called. Like a quay, like a quaylorx or a quaylax or something a, along something. those lines. I'm probably yeah. way off, but 
but that's that's what it was. So at least there was a link into the story insofar as they were getting the engine for the great big converter planet, which is in 1960. Look, it's a Chibnall story. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will give mainly because I think they knew they needed to write Dan out in a way. They actually make it make sense. Yeah, I I think it's quite, I think it's all right. I think they do it all right. I feel like it suffers from the old, <laughs> this is going to show which our, our history, uh, what this podcast is about. It reminds me very much of, say, the faceless ones or the war machines. Where, <laughs> where, where the companion just kind of is there from the beginning and then just disappears? Yeah, it's just a sudden farewell. Because we do really only have Dan for that first five to ten minutes. He comes back later on. Literally, like in the faceless ones. Yeah, and he comes back later on. <laughs> when Ben and Polly... Um, are there to begin with, and then they just say goodbye, and then we're off. That is, is that in the faceless ones? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Ben and Polly do just quickly. They're, they're in. They're in like the first two episodes, and then they're never seen again. And then at the end, we see them going. Right. So that's us done. Then Doc, goodbye. Pretty much. That. that that's. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is it. And, that this episode with Dan gives me flashbacks. <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones where I'm thinking to myself, why couldn't this have been done previously? You do think to yourself, you know, was was there a way that he could have maybe been written out of flux? Because in reality, he doesn't add a great deal to either the Darkness of the Legend of the Sea Devils in truth. He does feel like a hanger on to um but I f- particularly to the Doctor Yaz story. Yeah, but in those episodes. I, I feel like he still had his purpose there, uh, but I feel like they could have gone with him up Sea Devil, and then this story would have just made more sense. However, I do have to say, I don't know why they wrote him out, but I respect it so much because this story would have been a shambles if Dan was involved. There would have been way yeah. too many plot points to to talk about. I am I am happy from the perspective that they took Dan out of the way quite quickly streamlined things at least a little bit because then immediately after that streamlining happens you you're just hit with a barrage of plot points yeah on and on coming to you again oh here's ace oh here's tegan oh and here's a thing about a dozen seismologists and some paintings can i, t- can I tell you what i generally thought which was going to happen when we mentioned volcanoes <laughs> which, God, which I, I i am so broken now with classic who I was thinking, wait, where's Salamander? <laughs> I'm that would have so been, broken. That would have, I mean, look, there is there is a very nice Trout and callback in this episode. I just didn't think it would be that one. But am I the only one who's just that insane to think? No, no, right, I lie slightly. This was my thought process when, when, with all of the plot points which happened, right? So we went... All these seismologists have disappeared. Something about volcanoes erupting. Oh God, are we get West Salamander? And then, then we saw the Daleks drilling down the coral of the Earth. I instantly went, wait, are they going to try to drive the planet again? <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, it's all <laughs> happening again. No. Now, now that's, that's what I would have preferred. That's what I preferred. All of those old companions turning up in the cave, which they'd been living in. <laughs> and they'd been trapped there. 
Wait, what's this? Is this a pipe by any chance? Is there, are there some humans in there? <laughs> oh my god! The humans were found in the pipe, and the administrator was dealt with. And um, just for conte- context for people, that is a a sensory rights reference. It's an old doc- <laughs> it's an old first doctor story. That's le- legitimately what happens in the last episode. We have loads of old podcasts. Go find them. They're enjoyable. They're good fun. They're like this. Um, but we're still on new Who tonight. Yeah. So yeah, barrage of plot points hit you, and for me, this is one of the gr- biggest Chibnall issues, and it rears its head again. Is that he just doesn't know when to say no to a plot point? He comes up with all these ideas and just throws them in, and doesn't really mesh them together properly. I spent we- most of the first part of this episode just thinking, what of this is actually going to be important? And the answer is very, very little of it. In fact, almost none of it, it is really that important. It's very much Chibnall writes like a child at the beginning, where he goes, <laughs> where he's got, like, he's got, he's got a toy box. And he's sat, sat there going, oh, this looks fun to play with. This looks fun to play with. This gets fun to play with. This is fun, fun to play with. This looks fun to play with. And then by the end of it, we're, we're like fully into it. And he just, and, and he's just sat there going, okay, that toy's boring. That toy's boring. That's toy's boring. That's toy's boring. That toy's boring. And it just kind of gets left with just like one plot point at the end. And it just shows which some things just le- legitimately just needed redrafting at some points. Yeah, it's just... It's a bit of it's a bit like he just throws everything at the wall and you know, whatever lands on the wall, he just goes with at times. This was a massive, massive problem with Flux last year, was that there were so many plot points that you thought, you know, that were essentially active questions in the story that you thought would have answers and never did. Mm. You know, you know, they introduced this whole thing about seismologists and paintings and you're thinking oh is that a mystery to solve no the paintings have been stolen so they can be defaced to send a message which didn't matter because the moment they figured that out the master just sent a direct video message fucking anyway so what was the purpose of that 10 minutes of supposed mystery the seismologists have been miniaturized whoop-de-doo and now they're dead whoop-de-dooer again pointless to the overall narrative what the hell they're doing in 1916 Russia is entirely irrelevant, only only to have what is the worst part of this episode, a song and dance number. No, for dance break is the best part of this episode. The dance I, break's I, horrific. I, no, for dance break is needed. It cheered me up and made me happy. Do you know what I think the dance break is? And I do not apologise for saying this word. Complete ass. No. Did you ever watch The Kingsman? Not not the Kingsman series, The King's Man. This was the other one they did with with Ralph Fiennes. Came out like a year ago. No, I only watched the first one because I heard the rest of them was shit, and I never bothered to watch them all. This movie is shit, but I will quickly give context. Basically, this movie has Rasputin in it, who the master is ostensibly is in this episode. Matthew Vaughan is for for those who have watched his films a pop culture vulture in the best of any obvious thing he could do, he would do. Even he showed the restraint not to have Rasputin dance to Boney M. It's the most obvious fucking cliche you could do. <laughs> I watched thinking, are you seriously doing this? In, in, in we're taking two minutes to watch a dance break to Boney M because he's Rasputin. And there is no other reason for him to be Rasputin spot other than to have that dance number. I don't like, care. Fuck. I don't care. I loved it. Like it was, it was fun in a context, but then you realise, holy shit, 
Imagine all the other things we could have done with this two minutes. You know, this is the first time, I believe, that the Daleks, the Sidemen and the Master have been in one room in Doctor Who. No. And it was used for a song and dance number to Boney M. No, the um, for Master and for Daleks have got a very checkered past. No, but, but all three of them. Oh, all I mean, three of them all together inside. three of them been in one room. Because I know that the combinations of two have. Yeah, I think combinations of all two have happened at some point, mainly... Yeah, because Dalek Sidemen is Doomsday, Sidemen Master was obviously back a couple series ago, and Dalek's Master is a lot of times. Yeah. But this is the first time you've got, I think, what we would call the holy trinity of Doctor Who baddies. Yeah, it kind of goes... In a room together, and it was used for a song and dance number to Boney M., what a waste. Let's scroll back a little bit so we can actually make some sense (laughs) of this story. Yeah, you might need the popcorn, I'm thinking now, Um, because that's bullshit. So yeah, so they're in the past for some reason. They never really explain why the past is needed. Like, it could have been done in the present. Yeah, that's kind of useless, but okay, let's go with it. Um, And then we go back in future, we go... Most of these and other things are going wrong, and we go in for Doctor, and then we've got the small figurine thing, which Tegan gets, which thinks just from the Doctor. And yeah, which can I just say is actually some of the cleverest bits of marketing I've ever seen. Without a doubt. Do you think? Have you, have you seen what, what BBC's been doing with, with the small um, Cyberman Russian doll thing? I sort of like, I've vaguely seen it. I've vaguely seen what they've been doing. They've, they've been sending out those figures with a note from the doctor to just like reviewers. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that is really clever. The fact that they've actually done that in episode. Yeah. Like, and can I just say, it's not the worst way to bring for Sidemen in. It makes sense. No, I'm really happy with it. I actually thought that the whole Russian doll Sidemen idea, I mean, it's no different to. Um, back to Doomsday, actually, which I just mentioned before, the progenitor, yeah. which the Daleks have in the Void in Doomsday. It's the same principle. Totally fine. Um, I think the fact that it was given to Tegan because she, because the Master knew that Tegan would take anything to the Doctor is actually clever writing. Yeah. Like, that actually gives Tegan a, a thing to deal with in the story, mm. as opposed to just being there as a fan service thing. So great. All that's great. There are good things to be found yeah. in this episode. That's one of them. And also, so then we go into that bit there. We have some interactions with the master and all that kind of stuff. Can I just say, right, this bit here will not make sense to our listeners because we record massively in advance. Uh, we, <laughs> Way out of us. We've, we've recently just done the first, the full master season. And James said in that first episode, and that's something I'm like, roughly, We've never seen him use the mind powers in yes, Modern Who before. That's we? true. And I'm, as soon as as soon as he starts doing that, I just went, yeah. <laughs> I just thought instantly of you saying that and just, you know, just loved it. Yeah, well I well when I saw it happen, I did think, oh, they're they're using that part of Who. And you know what? I have to this is more of a broader point of credit to Chibnall, to be honest. The classic lore stuff is, for the most part, bang on in this episode. They did not get it wrong. It's faithful. And the fact they're pulling out little things 
that I, I feel like you'd almost have forgotten unless you were quite into the show, unless you really did have something into the show and you would know about it. The fact those things come up and are used in the plot is a nice reward to fans. I mean, let's face it, this is a special. There has to be an element of fan rewarding. For the most part, Chibnall gets that and, right. And this is something which I was going to bring up when we were talking about cameos beforehand, something which I liked about it, is that none of what they did damages for Doctor's legacy, for previous yeah, classic legacy. Because, yes, we get to see sort of like visions of them and it's slightly in this limbo land, but none of that... Yes, they are for Doctor, but they're never for Eighth Doctor. They're never for Seventh Doctor. They are just for Doctor. Yeah, they are named as a previous incarnation of, which they are. Which, which I think is very respectful to Classic Who, which I feel like we haven't had sometimes. I, I agree. I, I really adored the way... Because even, and I, you know, you know for a fact that I'm one of the biggest Davies fans out there. Yeah. I will even admit that Rossity Davies is not, has not been as respectful to the classics as this episode is. No. Like, I love how, yes, there were, it was very fan service Let's Let's get that out there now. Oh, yeah, 100%. It but is. Everything, I, f- I feel like what they did with having sort of like... F- for different incarnations, speaking to the Doctor at sort of like the edge of regeneration, and sort of like the AA meeting of companions. Uh, oh, I love the AA I, meeting. I love That's the AA meeting really because good. it's such fan service nonsense, but also it didn't affect the plot at all. And I also yeah. just love it. And it makes sense for those characters. That's why I re- the AA one I was going to come on to when we got to it in the episode, but I thought I could talk about it now. This episode is just all over the shot. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I knew it was going to mainly because Chibnall's writing is, but there are points where Chris Chibnall gets it bang on. This is, I think that scene's the best one he's written for Who. And, also, and it's rather fitting. It's one of the last ones. Can I just say, it was such a fitting sort of epilogue for the doctor is having their old companions getting together and talking through what they saw it just it works on every possible level and also and um william russell yes i'm so happy william russell so happy ian came when i saw him you know i think it could be uh because i was watching it with my girlfriend uh i think she could vouch for that i was audibly gasping um when when he came on i i there were a few yeah. cameos which i thought oh wow they brought them in but that one really was like oh my god they've actually brought ian in and also something as well about that ending it fully sets up if russell t davis wants to go down this route he can now very easily call in some old companions and it makes oh, sense god yeah well, can The thing is, Russell, I think, has always toyed with that idea. Certainly since post-2010, mm. since post the end of time when he went out. If if you recall back to COVID, he did um, Farewell Sarah Jane, the audio piece. Yeah. For Elizabeth Sladen. And in that, he mentions pretty much every classic companion he can get his hands on. In a similar way to this, he sort of infers that, you know, he imagines a scene where they're all talking and, and sharing stories of the Doctor. And this is the visual representation, I think, of that scene. And I don't think it's a mistake yeah. that that scene happens when Russell is about to come in. It, I, don't, I wonder what that means. 
I don't care who had influence on it. It was a bloody amazing scene. And- no, I don't care either. But I just, I, I, I hope that means that Russell will use them. Yeah. Yeah, because Companions is for one way to call back to the Doctor's past when it doesn't get messy. Because yes, one or two Doctors being in a story is always fun, but it gets messy very quickly. Yeah, but, we've yeah, we've had the multi-Doctor stories, but the more messy than this. You can very easily go, oh, let's go to get this companion. Let's go get Ace again. And we don't need to try to explain why Ace is older. We don't need to try to explain why the Doctor is why there's two Doctors in a room, but also it's such a nice way to call back to old Doctor Who. And you know what? I thought the way they brought back ACT was very direct. It was just, we are as older as we should be, canonically. Yeah. We're here now. We're still going. We're in the episode. That was it. That's all we needed. And I'm also happy because I heard, I saw some talk which Jamie might be brought back. I am so glad they didn't because it Mm. would make no sense in, at all with how old he would be because Jamie is dead in, in Doctor Who universe at this point oh yeah 100% he's been not only that we have to remember that Jamie doesn't remember the Doctor Who universe exactly so uh, I'm happy which they they left those ones out I wish we saw more modern Who companions whether that be like obviously we can't yeah. see Rose but but Martha so Martha you came know. back or something along those lines yeah, maybe that was something, but I wonder whether that is because maybe they're being brought back in twenty three. It perhaps perhaps Russell wanted to bring back his characters. I don't know. I'm just purely speculating. Who, who but knows? It would have been nice to see them. But let's go back on for story. So we've got the Cyberman pl- plot line where they are taking over unit and they get Kate. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, that was I <laughs> tense. I I liked that bit. <laughs> Yeah, when you think Kate's going to be converted. Because we'd heard rumours, had a lot of speculation about Cyber Kate, I seem to vaguely remember. No, it was you constantly go, oh, they're going to kill Kate. They might kill Kate. They're going to kill Kate. That was all <laughs> well, you. Just, that was was all, that all me? I know, I know you had a very strong voice in this. <laughs> every time every time <laughs> we spoke about Kate in, in this episode, you're there going, they better not kill Kate. Well, yeah, I was, I was worried they were going to kill Kate. <laughs> Um, but they didn't, thank God. Um, yeah, and then there's the whole thing. Tegan's still in there, helps helps them out. Can I just say, um, the call back to Eldrick actually made me... You mean Adric? Adric made, almost brought a tear to my eye. I loved that. Yeah, message. that was beautifully that, done. That was such a beautiful call back to him and what happened to him and yeah. that story ends. The decision to have... Davison and McCoy, even though it's through the interface. Obviously, if you watch the episode, you'll know that. We'll explain why, but the Doctor needs an interface to communicate with the companions later on in the episode. And this interface changes to the Doctor that person feels an emotional connection with, which is, yeah, I'll let that run. That's smartly written. And Davison and McCoy reprise their roles with with Tegan and Ace respectively and it's genuinely brilliant. Yes. Shall we I know the Daleks are doing something, but they capture for Dark Doctor. Um, <laughs> for da- and the Daleks in this episode are just the Daleks are doing Dalek stuff. The Daleks have got no impact in this story. I'm <laughs> going to say this now. They there's some nice backdrop, but they have literally no involvement in what happens. 
Well, there was well, there's the Dalek at the start. That's like I've got information that could blow up the Daleks. Although that's completely unimportant by the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that is it. The Daleks capture the Doctor, so that the Master can regenerate into the Doctor in pretty much the main plot point of this story, and it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, this this is where I start to have problems with this story. Unfortunately, now. I will get the good bits out of the way. Um, obviously, we mentioned Jamie before, not having any knowledge of the Doctor Universe. We are talking about classic. That is because of the forced regeneration that happens in the war games. And that whole concept is brought back brilliantly can I, here. Can I also just say, I love the fact which there was a slight call to the whole series, whatever be it, the conspiracy theory which the Doctor did things after um, the second Doctor. Yes, I, I love I love that little call out there. But ca- carry on. Yeah, which is, yeah, there's loads of classic references. I feel like I want to go back through and watch the episode and find more tidbits because I know there's some I've missed. So credit to Chibnall again. The, what happens in the Fool's Regeneration um, is absolutely bonkers and makes no sense. Basically, Sasha Dewan's master becomes the Doctor, but it's not that the Doctor has the face of the master. The master is the Doctor now. But with the face of a master. Like, yeah, I, so I, it's the master. I I really feel like they missed the trick here. Because surely like for most the basic way to solve the fact which just makes no sense is have Jody act like Zasha Dwan does. Um and what and flip it flip back flip it, so that the doctor is the master. Flip it the other way around. So if a master is has got the doctor's face. I feel like yeah. that would change nothing in the storyline but would still make but would make more sense well well, the problem is is that you can be the doctor all you want you look like the master still and act like the master your plot of debasing the doctor's name by being the doctor like what doesn't work if you're the master you could have done that already you had a tardis already you could have gone around and claimed you were the Doctor without going through this whole palaver. Yeah, like you could have done everything without doing I, any of this. I feel like it would make so much more sense if the Master's brain got put into the Doctor's body. Like I would, yeah, that works. I would fully get behind that. And also, nothing in the story would need to change. I know <laughs> it would just make so more sense that, that they um, that Chibnall went down this path. Um, look. This is why I have to come down, despite all the good things I've said, it's why I have to come down and say that this is all the problems with Chibnall. Because the main conceit of the story... Yeah, here we go. Get the fucking popcorn for this. The main conceit of the story does not make any sense. It doesn't make logical sense. So no matter what you do on the side, you've got a story that is fundamentally flawed. You know... What does this mean canonically? Does this mean that the Master is the 14th Doctor now? Strictly speaking, I mean, obviously we're discounting war and so on, but right, because we've had, so the Doctor becomes the Master, that's theoretically a new Doctor, because the Force Regeneration in the War Games is one, turns back, or degenerates, I suppose, that's what they use there, Jody, and then within about 20 minutes of screen time is another old Doctor. Ah, oh, it just doesn't make 
a lick of sense. It's a cool idea that they didn't think how it would actually work. Did you enjoy the popcorn? I went out and got, got a glass of water. <laughs> Did you? And so, but you agree. Anyway. But you agree with me, right? That this doesn't yeah. like the, the story has to be flawed if this doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like for the idea, like it doesn't even that way. It makes no sense plot wise. Plot wise, it makes sense. Plot wise of what happened here makes sense. The issue is, is the characters. Like, if they had kept it, so I say for Master took. If they took Master's brain and put him for Doctor's body, and the plot carried out the exact same way, I would be sitting here going, "Yeah, you know what? I could get behind that. It might be flawed, but I can get behind it." But they put for Master's brain in for Master's body, which then took the Doctor's place. Yes. What happened? was that the master killed 12 seismologists, debased 15 of the world's most famous paintings, was in colleagues with the was in cahoots with the Daleks and Cybermen, which is no easy feat in Doctor Who lore. Mm-hmm. Stole a rare Qualoxy thing, had like two freaking plats fake planets going on to gain the power all to essentially do a costume change. Yeah, it. <laughs> I can I can get behind everything in this episode. And do you know what's more frustrating about that? But actually? that annoys me. Is that I want to really praise Sasha Dewan's acting. Sasha Dewan, I really want to praise him. For I'm, this I'm, I'm going to put this out there. All for modern doctors. All for modern doc. Not modern doctors. All for modern masters. He is one of my favourites. I will put that yeah, out there happily. I would agree with that. And it's a shame, much like Jodie, to be honest, it's a shame his master can't do much because it's so limited. And I really... Hasn't he already been announced to be doing Big Finish stuff? I if, if, if that isn't true, then I hope it is. Simple as that. I... I think the way that Sasha plays him as the Doctor, which is just the Master, but let's overlook it for this. Mm. The idea of him actually being the Doctor and everything and how he plays that is spot on the money. Yeah, um, just it's fantastic. Yeah, so Sasha Dwan is starring in six new full cast Ooh, audio yeah. dramas from Big Finish. And can I just God, say, yes. I am so happy as fucking doing it because... As I say, he is actually one of my favourite masters because he just gets the chaos just right. Yeah. It's just unhinged madness. And it it's, just... it's unhinged, but it's not too far unhinged as well. It's like it's like it's he's just holding it together, like which is bang. He's just holding all that chaos together so that it's understandable. And then occasionally he, you know, lets the lid off and and you get that complete unfettered madness. I just, I just think he's played it really well. And I, I know we sort of briefly mentioned this before. I really do hope that, that we get to see Russell right for him. Mm. I hope that we don't lose Sasha Master. I, I do have a feeling he'll probably want to go his own way, but 
hopefully, fingers crossed, we can see more of that master can because I he's great in this episode. Fact is getting Biff Finish says to me he will not be back. Yeah. Which but is can, sad. I hope. I hope against logic. But I think if, if this is a send-off for this master as well as this doctor, then you know, real, real credit to how he got how he sent himself off. I think yeah. great in this episode. Sasha Duan is definitely fucking nonsensical that entire plot point is he is yeah he he remains a highlight of the episode he played that yeah as nonsensical as it is he plays it so well so i have to give it i have to give him like massive amount of um credit for this episode being fun and being watchable despite all of the major problems it does have yeah because despite the fact what we're complaining about my view I think our view of this episode is very much like my popcorn. It's sweet, but it's also salty. <laughs> it's 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 the umami flavor profile. <laughs> it's that it's that in the middle. What is that? What is that feeling that I'm tasting here? Um, where should we go to next? Should we go on to so the doctor's no longer there, and therefore Yaz becomes the best hardest pilot in the world i like how her story ends yes do do you think yes okay because particularly over flux we had yes constantly asking what will the doctor do and in this story she essentially takes on the doctor's role when the master is when we have this bizarre Doctor Master mix, which still makes no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, we've 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 gone on yeah. and nauseam about that. Um, Can't be changed now. She she becomes the Doctor essentially. She works out how to fly the TARDIS. She grabs Vinda. She gets Ace. She gets them all together. She works out how to get the Fugitive Doctor involved, and she saves the Doctor here. She asked. She she didn't need to think to herself. Look at her arm and go. What would the doctor do? She just did it, and I think that is hmm. a really good end to her character. I I will agree that from the arc of Yaz, the arc of Yaz is realised in this episode. Now, going into you know the idea of you know can a companion learn to fly the TARDIS in this way? Because it's a bit like I suppose it's a bit like when um, Ray and the Force Awakens learnt the Force in about twenty minutes, but. It has that problem, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because I think it works for his character well. I also think we need to remember, which we don't know, out, out of all of the Doctor and Comparacan duos, we don't know how how long they've been travelling is left very open. And, That's true. And they are very close. And we, and, we know, and, and, and we know which this isn't a new thing. Rose also learned how to fly the TARDIS. Yeah, that's true. So I don't think it's that out there for her and i i will give credit as well that unlike unlike i think anything we've had in modern who so far this is a doctor and companion that were with each other from the start to the end yeah that was it they were from the start to the end and we saw that relationship end although the one problem i do have and it's more to do with an unanswered question Mm -hmm. Is I've I've been feeling that the whole of the last few episodes of Who 
had been building this Dr. Yaz will they, won't they story. Yeah, I was also going to bring this up in that and it, it just brought is up. not mentioned <laughs> at all. This is the main thing that it seemed like everything had been building to, this sort of emotional realisation of, of Roma, and it just doesn't get mentioned at all. You know, they are alone on the TARDIS at the end, knowing that this is realistically the last time they will be together, at least with the Doctor in this form. Mm-hmm. You really would think this scene was the one to do that, right? Like I was thinking this when the scene happened, when they're sitting with the ice cream, I thought, great, this is going to be the scene. Yeah, because I was waiting for it and it just doesn't come up. And it's a very odd build up. Like I could kind of understand it if it was something which the fans had kind of canonized themselves. But in the New Year special, I've completely forgotten what it's called, the Dalek one, when they're in Eve Eve of the Daleks, it's outright one of the main plot points of that story. Yeah, it's a huge element of that story. It, it's like it's like I was saying. Like, I felt like the whole of this period of specials was building that plot point, and it falls to to nothing. It, <sighs> at, at best, it's bad writing. At worst, it's gay baiting, and that's a problem. Yeah, it just feels like he just. It feels like he was so caught up. Let's go back to my toy analogy because you know. But let's, let's, let, let's yeah, toys let, in the pram. Let, let's do let, it. Let's not. When a metaphor is too complicated, the first, first thing to do is dive out of it. You have to dive straight back into it. So let's dive straight back into my toy basket. <laughs> I never want to hear that sentence again. <laughs> um, so it feels like he just got overwhelmed by the amount of toys he had to play with and he just forgot things. Again, it's it's when I when I because we've put the tweets out now, you know, when I said that this was a story that summed up yeah. everything in the Chibnall era, I mean this for better and for worse. Yeah. It's all of his strengths and all of his problems exactly. rolled into one special. And that's the biggest is that the biggest problem actually? I think maybe the, the Doctor Master regeneration issue is a little bigger for the plot. Yeah, but... honestly, I could kind of see past it. Because the thing is with this story, it's very much I know I mentioned that at the beginning, and so I'm going to mention it as I think we're coming up close to the end of this now. I think we've talked about everything we want to really. Yeah, there's not a lot left to discuss. So I'm going to, sort of the ending and everything. But... I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning when I was mentioning this. It reminds me so much of the not bad for Daleks. What's it called? Evil of the Daleks. Evil, it, <laughs> yeah, it reminds me. Which you mentioned before. It reminds me so much of the Evil of the Daleks in that. It is such a joy to be with, but as soon as you start thinking about it, it just disintegrates like sand. And that it just doesn't make sense structurally <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's barely held together. Um, it works just, it works. but it is barely held together. It works because it's going flashy lights, distraction, 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 distraction. And, yeah, and, but this is that's my issue. That's my issue. But is I enjoyed it. it. Just, I enjoyed myself. It is all lights and flash, and and when you re- when you recognise beyond the lights and flash, the story there doesn't really hold up. Has a great deal of issues. Is far too overstuffed. By the way, I mean, I, I enjoy the fact they managed to get everyone in there, but you know. We had a 10-minute sequence where we'd left Ace on the roof. There was 10 minutes of scenes. We'd come back and Ace is still on the fucking roof. Yeah. Like, it's it's that kind of pace of development because there's so much happening. It reminded me of the um, the Stranger Things finale 
actually, insofar as there were so many characters in that show. And this was a two and a half hour episode, bear in mind. They had way more time than Chibnall did. And it had worse of this problem. Yeah. So it's very easy to fall into, and unfortunately they do. And it is, as we say, Chibnall's main flaw. So let's talk about the ending. What did we think about how she regenerated and how Uh, the story ended? Yeah. So I think the main thing to focus on is why did Jodie need to regenerate? Uh, Because she gets hit by the disintegration energy of the Quaylorks thing. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It's it's pretty much a direct hit. Not that we see any damage to Jodie because vibes. This was my only problem I had while watching it was her regeneration. Like, look, it's very abrupt. My issue is the opposite. Oh, okay. So we, she, we, we do have the abruptness of her being shot, essentially. But then we have, from her being shot to her actually regenerating is the most stretched out thing possible. It feels worse than when they had David Tennant doing the farewell tour. Do you think? Because I was going to bring up, will David Tennant have the fucking farewell tour? But at, at least with a farewell tour, you can kind of justify it and say radiation would kill you slower. But she got That's shot true. here. She got shot. Oh, no, she didn't get shot. She got hit by essentially energy that was powerful enough to regenerate her in the first place. Yeah. And, and, and could disintegrate a planet. And from the first sign of. Like as well as well with David Tennant in that scene, he was visibly in pain while he was doing it. Yes. Yeah, she's just sat eating ice cream. Yeah, Jodie is fen- doing phenomenally well. Like the only thing they say is that she was basically out cold for a while. This that was the thing which annoyed me about this episode while watching it was how drawn out that entire segment was. It felt like that they could have ended the episode ten minutes before the end. Because that just entire thing was just drawn out, which just didn't make sense with what we know regeneration. Not it is goes. a bit ludicrous. Like, like the closest we've got for something like this happening in modern who, at least, which I can think of, is when David Tennant is shot by a Dalek. Yeah, that happens like that. He does reverse it using the hand and other stupid things which Rusty Davis did, but it happened <laughs> like that. Rose Tyler, Earth Defense, never let the dream die. There were reasons that happened, and we just never did, we never got to realize them. But it happened like that. This here is a similar thing, arguably more powerful. Oh, but not arguably. That's one Dalek. This is meant to be, you know, Jody says it herself. I have never seen one of these in the universe. It's meant to be incredibly powerful. She got a direct blast. Yeah. It- that was my problem with it, is that that from her being shot and to her regenerating just took too long. And yet still felt really sudden in terms of it. Like it didn't feel like there was a lot of emotional time given. I felt like I in some I felt I felt emotional about it. About I, I, initially it at least, didn't... and then I realised which we we're going on for ages here. <laughs> yeah, it's like it just felt, a, maybe not abrupt, maybe abrupt's the wrong word. Maybe it just felt a bit smoothed over. Like 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 you were saying with Tennant, when 
Tenant regenerated, he was obviously in pain, and he had the visual dynamism of going around the companions and doing the farewell tour. And there's that phenomenal Jeffrey Noble lottery ticket scene, which everyone brings up. And so there's multiple things going on. This is effectively she just sits in the TARDIS. That's all she does for her regeneration. And then and then she pops up to a cliff to regenerate out of the TARDIS this time. Yeah. Which that is my main complaint, honestly. Outside of the whole bloody master doctor mess which legitimately still makes no sense to me why they went down that path um that's just something which just bugged me while watching yeah it's it's a big issue i i actually i think i've realized why i said abrupt before i think it's abrupt in the sense that chibnall clearly hadn't thought about it until very late yeah just created the most obvious reason that was there Boom, now she's been hit. Oh no, I have to regenerate now. That's sad. I'm gonna go and regenerate now. Swirly swirly lights. And now we're now Davies can go and do his thing. The the other thing about the regeneration, which is uh probably news to absolutely nobody other than myself, is that the cues now to get down to Durdle Door will be even worse. As it's now a Doctor Who regeneration spot. <laughs> Well, luckily I'm in Scotland now, so it's such a pain to get to. Um, I mean, I'm not in Dorset now either, but I mean, Durdle Door is something. I've actually fi- I'd, I'd filmed something down at Durdle Door, which, which makes that even weirder to me, because uh, I'd done a production down there a few years ago. Uh, it's weird to me that that's now a Doctor Who regeneration. Right. For my favourite Doctor, technically. But yeah, totally unrelated, but cool. Before we get to our scoring, can I just say... She regenerates outside of a TARDIS. We could keep this TARDIS, but we know we don't. And that annoys me because one thing which we've discussed on <laughs> yeah. here before is that I don't like the fact that the TARDIS renews itself and regenerates. And um, Amos Tudor could have kept this, this, this TARDIS, unless he destroys it later, but he could have just kept the TARDIS and that annoys me. Russell is Russell. He, he, he can do what he likes. For me, it's about trust. Unless he brings back the Coral Tardis, in which case I'm very happy with him. Oh, yeah, he could bring back the Coral Tardis. It's an interesting question, isn't it? I, I feel like it's less likely now because we've had it confirmed in the press release. This is not the 10th Doctor. Yeah. This is a different Doctor. It just happens to look very much like the same man and make the exact same references as the same man. Right. So I wonder how they're going to explain that. And we will soon see in the future... Well, I say soon. It's November. So it's over a freaking year. I mean, it's it's a long while away. It's not too far. I, I mean, for for modern who, it's it's not as far as we've ever had. But it's wasn't like getting close between I mean, between season. Which one would it have been? Twelve and flux. I think the one before well, flux we, and flux. We still had the new. We still had the New Year special in between that. Yeah. So we didn't have. We had a year-long gap, I think, from because there was no Who in 2020, sides from the New Year special, and then there was the New Year one in 21. Mm. Or was it no? Am I lying? Was it the series at the top of 20? There was a series at the top. I've completely forgotten which one. Yes, they did the series, and then the rest of the year was off. Then they had the New Year, and then Flux happened in Halloween. Can I just say, I'm happy which we're not having as a Christmas one this year, because last year we started... 
purely because of this podcast, because we start, we sat down and thought, you know, every year we should go through the old Christmases. Imagine if we had to stop that on the second Christmas. Yeah, that's true. I'm happy that we we can go through the old Christmas, which means we get to fit. It'll be the Runaway Bride, won't it? Potentially, yeah. That, that we get to do this Christmas, which which is one of my favourite Who episodes. So I'm very pleased about that. Right, we're now over the hour marks. So let's bring this to <laughs> yeah. a close. Um, hey, this was an hour and a half episode, so we're still under that. Um, and much like for plot point, we've just gone all over the shot. Um, right, <laughs> James. Out of 10, what do you give this episode? Overall, uh, it's a tough one because there are certain elements of this episode I love. Like, And I'm going to make a bold statement here. As fan service goes, not as in plot, as fan service goes, this episode is better than the 50th. Ooh. That's, that's, yeah, a, no, that's a point I'm willing to make. I do like all the references in this in this episode, and it just feels a lot more respect i've said it already respectful to the classic era yeah it just it gets the tone right it makes loads of references hell the trout and flute comes up the question mark jumper arrives at a point like it's really clever how they do all that so as a fan service thing it's fantastic i think it's the best who episode for fan service i can think of so huge huge credit to to chibnall for that that being said (laughs) the story is all of his issues and but you know what? I'm willing to give this a six. That's what because... you gave in your prediction. Did I? Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've nailed it. Wow. And that was me being optimistic. So tell you what, my optimism has paid off for once. I'm very happy that despite all of the errors that Chris Chibnall has had in this run and all of the things that I think everyone in the community has been willing to poke, to poke holes at and have a go at him for, myself very much included, he was completely true to his batshit self until the very last frame. And I think that's a fitting way to leave. Uh, so thank you, Chris. That's a genuine statement from me. Thank you, Chris, for this era of who. Thank you for being yourself the whole way, for better or worse. And now the fun begins. All right. So I'm also probably going to stick with my prediction, potentially give it a seven, just because I enjoyed the run. You're going to, yeah, you did, you did enjoy, it, I think, more than I did because I'm more. Nut-hacky. I enjoyed the run, but just before we do end this, I've remembered what you said to me at the beginning, and now I'm confused. So before we started recording this, James was saying which there was a lot of a fan service he enjoyed, but there was a bit of fan service he didn't enjoy, and I, and he never, and yes. he insisted he'd only forgot about he, this myself. He insisted he'd only tell me on the podcast what it was so james please tell us what it was i love that the doctors are in there but i'm not a fan of the whole regeneration zone sequence because it's it's just too like it's too sherlocky that that's my feeling on it it's too moffat insofar as like we would go into Cumberbatch's mind palace all the time. It was just very like, Ooh, this is all happening in your head and incarnations cannot move on. And it just raised too many issues of like murky canon. And I like that I, I they're like there. The, don't get me wrong, but I don't like the setup is all. I like the idea, which just in like the doctor's afterlife, <laughs> all the old doctors just kind of sit around and have a party. I think the idea is funny. Like, like I there are there are credits to it, but I think the way it's set as being like 
it's a bit like the King's Cross scene at the end of Harry Potter, I suppose. That's like one of the better things I can come up to as a comparison. Yeah. It just feels a bit of a... Uh, I don't know. I just don't feel like it fitted as a setup because Davison and McCoy do do another thing that's far better when they get the chance to chat to um, Tegan and Ace. I know, obviously, the other Doctors don't have a companion in this episode to chat to, but it would have been nice maybe if just for a second the interface put them in or, or maybe there was another way of bringing them in. I just wasn't huge on that one. I'm just, I love that they're I'm, there. Just I'm just happy Paul McGann was there, let's be honest. But anyway, that brings that yeah, to this I'm episode Yeah, I'm so happy close. Paul McGann was there. You can't even listen to any of his stuff. Listen to his stuff that's good. Um, anyway, that brings this episode to a close. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please remember to subscribe. We've got an entire back catalogue where we're going through all of the old two episodes. And we will, might be, hopefully, be here in December. Not December, in November 2023. <laughs> yeah, we, way further away than you think. Where we will hopefully be reintroduced to David Tennant as the 14th doctor so remember to subscribe to get all those notifications but if you want to contact us to tell us how wrong we are and how amazing the doctor master bit was james where can they contact us they want to send us that rubbish Sure, if you if you want to send us any rubbish. Um, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to talk to Into the Black Archive, which is the podcast you've been listening to for the last hour, and if you have, thank you. Um, if you want to chat to us about anything, you can do that via Twitter at Black Archive Pod. And if you want something a bit more than 280 characters, you can also email us. That email is blackarchivepod at gmail.com. You've got over a year to, to formulate your thoughts on what happens in 2023. So take your time and also take your time running through our great big backlog of classic episodes. We've already done, we're already two Doctors down and we're going through John Pertwee at the moment. So if you want to come along for the ride, please feel free to. We are wherever you get your podcasts. So come join us in Bessie as we sail off into the distance. And that is it from us. Goodbye. Bye, Jody. Bye, Chris. <laughs>